For over a decade, I shopped and worked at my local comic shop. One of the best parts about hanging out there was comparing notes on what I was reading with folks who shared my passion for comics. My comic shop is gone now, but we can still hold on to the magic of that in-store discussion. This is My Comic Shop Book Club. Welcome to My Comic Shop Book Club. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the Red Hulk saga by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis is my best friend from law school, Jeff Bondock. What's up, buddy? Thank you for finally having me on. I know it took a while. I've been podcasting for a few years. I, I know yeah. it took it took a little bit to finally uh, have the stars align and, and to have you on, but I'm so glad. I'm so happy to see you and to be able to compare notes with you. What are what a reading selection? What what <laughs> what? <laughs> as far as first episodes go, this is uh, this is quite an auspicious. Uh, start for you there here on the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gave me that list, and you know I'm more of a Marvel zombie kind of guy, so I obviously gravitated towards the one of the few Marvel titles on it. But uh, and I'd, I'd wanted to read it. I just didn't realize that my my interest in it was um, was was mis uh, misaligned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought I'm glad you brought that up because I just want it known that you picked this. <laughs> This was me, so this is absolutely on me. I mean, I, I, I shoulder, no, I do shoulder blame because I did, like you said, I gave you a list, right? Like we've mm-hmm. been talking about this. I'm like, I want to I have you on, we'll talk comics. And I yeah. gave you a list of a few things. It was like a handful of reading selections. Right. And I mean, you didn't miss a beat though. You were like, I, I'm, down for, I'm down for Red Hulk. And I was like, all right. I had never read it before. Uh, yeah. Which is I kind of, which I is, neither, so, so you, ha- you hadn't read it. So, no. you know, for me, like, it's, I think, kind of surprising, right? Because I've gone on record, right? Like, I'm generally a fan of Jeff Loeb. And yeah. this episode is actually a little bit of a crossover with my Superman show, Digging for Kryptonite. Last week, it's not out yet as of this recording, but right. by the time okay. this airs, right? Last week, I had an episode with Ken Marion. We talked about the Jeff Loeb run on Superman Batman. Yeah. Uh, and earlier you know, on Digging for Kryptonite, I had done two episodes on the Jeff Loeb era of the main Superman titles. And earlier on my comic shop book club, I did an episode on the Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, uh, Marvel color series. So, right. you know, I've read a lot of Loeb and I've covered a lot of Loeb and I'm a fan of a lot of it, but I had never read this. And I felt like, well, this is the perfect time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll just come right out and say it, man. It was, it was, it was tough to get through. It was really tough to get through for me. Yeah. It was rough reading, and uh, you would, I mean, you know, the disparate parts coming together, you'd think Jeff Loeb and McGinnis, I mean, that, you know, this is, this is, this is dynamite in a bottle. This is going to be something that we're going to enjoy, you know, cartoonish violence and, 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 you know, like, I mean, I'm, so I'm probably a pretty solid personification of the character, but then you kind of get into it and it's just, it's all flash, no substance, you know? Yes, I would agree with that. It puts me in a weird spot, though, as host of this show, because like for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, you know, my, my objective with this podcast is is really to for it to be a celebration. Right. And to pick stuff right. that, you know, in some cases I'm, I'm picking things that I've already read. Right. So I know, yeah. you know, I know that the quality's there, you know, but in other cases, you know, I, I am reading stuff for the first time. And, and that's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast. And you know, I'm going to run into stuff like this where, you know, I pick something and it's a creative team that I really like and I've liked past stuff that they've done. And I'm like, oh, winner, you know, and it, and it ends up not being the case. One thing that might help us, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I believe you have, you have a cocktail uh, as well. What what are you you drinking? What are you drinking? 
Uh, just some bourbon, uh, rabbit hole. It was a gift from a friend, so I'm slowly getting through the bottle. But yourself, very what are you, nice. Also, what are you enjoying? also bourbon. This is Maker's Forty Six. So this is a little, a little bit of a variation on the standard Maker's Mark. So cheers, Mark, cheers, right. my friend. Cheers, sir. It's interesting because I did the series premiere of my comic shop book club with uh, Fat Moose owner Sean Hendricks and. He and I, we had cocktails during that episode, mm-hmm. that discussion of all-star Batman and Robin, another episode where it was, it was kind of needed. And we had a lot of fun. <laughs> but then after that, uh, you and I think one or two other people who, I, who were kind of on the books for future uh, podcast episodes were like, oh, can we, can we drink during the episodes? <laughs> I'm like, sure, like, not, you know, knock yourself out. I mean, that's one of the benefits of doing all of these remotely, right? You're right. not, no one's driving, you know, we're, right. we're all uh, doing this from the comfort and safety of our own homes. <laughs> And and in certain instances, I, I think I think it helps. Oh yes, I mean the, the 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 part of the reason I asked was also because I had tackled a majority of the series prior uh, prior to, to to calling you, and I was like, it, we're going to need some liquid courage to get through this because um, a lot uh, some hits and misses, uh, putting it uh, putting it generously, some hits and misses. Yeah, I, you know. And I don't know, I, I, this is a tough one. This is really yeah. a tough one because yeah. it's like, I don't want to like, and let me say this, let me go on record as saying this. I take <laughs> no delight in, in, in evaluating this and, right. you know, I, you know, my intention is not like, oh, let's just pile on this thing. But I think we do need to discuss it, you know, honestly and, yeah. and fairly. And I will say, you know, I, I put out the list on social media about the upcoming reading selections. And, and mm-hmm. this one in particular, I got a number of responses that were like, ooh, like, good luck. <laughs> I, I saw some of those. I, uh, that should have been a, I mean, we had already picked it. I had already picked it at that point. I had committed to reading it. Um, but yeah. And, and I'm not the biggest Hulk fan also. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that uh, here. Um, he's not one of my favorite characters. He's not a character that I've really delved into. But there's a lot of really good, incredible, like, a lot of really good Hulk stuff out there. There's iconic runs. Um, like, the initial Stan Lee, Jack Kirby stuff's very good. Um, then you've got, uh, obviously, Peter David's run is is legendary. I mean, it, it's you, it's become ubiquitous with the character. Um, and the current Al Ewing run is incredible. So, uh, and, you know, those are the ones I've kind of read. So I've never really tackled a mediocre Hulk run because <laughs> so and I, I say that with full I mean this is I'm not trying to be overly critical um, I there was there was stuff in it that I enjoyed um, you know uh, it, 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 we're gonna be we're gonna have to dig for it <laughs> but there was stuff in there that was okay um, but it was you know tough. Yeah, you know you mentioned other Hulk runs and and I'll share you know I'm not I'm not a huge Hulk fan myself um you know again I'm certainly aware of that you know that very lengthy legendary Peter David run that you mentioned and I know you know kind of the broad strokes of that run but I've not read it that's sort of on my you know like all-time long-term list Mm -hmm. hopefully I'll Mm -hmm. I'll get to that at some point uh I I read actually all of the Paul Jenkins run from like the early to mid 2000s and that was some good stuff that was after they relaunched that was after they relaunched the book okay and then I read the first chunk of the Bruce Jones run Okay. Uh, which started out strong, but then I, I really lost interest. Um, and then I read, I did read Planet Hulk, and I thought that was cool. And I think I read yeah. World War Hulk at the comic shop, like as it was coming out, just to kind of see what was going on with it. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. And and that's kind of been it. And 
you know, like I was getting at before, it's it's surprising to me that I never read this run by Loeb and McGinnis since I liked so much of their other stuff. But it just, right. to be honest, I think it was probably hearing people talk about it at the comic shop yeah. and kind of flipping through <laughs> it and being like, mm, I don't know if this is for me. And then, you know, I have not read Indestructible Hulk by Wade or the Al Ewing Immortal Hulk, but those are right. definitely on my list and I hope to get to them. And I am a huge fan of Hulk Gray by Loeb and Hulk Sale. Hulk great. Oh, you'd think that, you know, there'd be some kind of, some kind of, he should, Hulk Gray was amazing, incredible. And I think that kind of colored my perception of what to expect out of Loeb and McGinnis' Hulk, because I really did enjoy Hulk Gray. And, you know, there's even a callback to Hulk Gray in the last issue of, uh, or, the la- or the second to last issue of, of the run that we read. Um, and it was great, and nowhere to be found except for that one, two pages, you know? Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess one last thing by way of setup before we really dive in. Uh, I, I have to give a shout out to one of my listeners, uh, mm-hmm. Nick, Nick Jones, not Rick Jones, but Nick Jones. Okay. So he's relatively new to the world of Flat Squirrel. He came across the documentary, My Comic Shop Country, and he, he got really into that. Uh, he does a podcast called uh, Film Guff, and he had me on there, and we talked about the movie oh, Euro cool. Trip. It was, it was a lot of fun. Euro Trip, really? That's, yeah. uh, that's a call to the best. That was my pick. <laughs> that was my pick. He was you like, pick Euro Trip? Yeah, he's like, we talk about like hidden gem movies. He's like, would you want to yeah. pick something? And I was like, how about Euro Trip? <laughs> Is it because Lana Lang is in it for like three scenes? I mean, it doesn't hurt, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, that episode is out there. Hope people check it out. He does another podcast, Homework, the Homework Podcast. Okay. But anyway, he's gotten into the podcast that I do as well, and he's been with Book Club in particular, really following along. Okay. So much so that, and this is where a major guilt is setting in. He he went out and he. I can't even I can't even say oh, it no. out loud. He oh, went no. out and he bought the Hulk the, the Hulk omnibus. You bought the omnibus to prepare for this episode. These are dollar books. I mean, you dig enough in a bin, you'll find them all. Ah, oh, this poor that poor guy. Is it? Yeah, Nick. Oh. I feel so bad. I really, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm like half joking. Like I do genuinely feel a sense of of responsibility here. But I'm glad that we established most of the fault lies at your feet. You know. I'm glad that we we established that. I feel like that's important for Nick to know. And if it's all <laughs> right with yeah, if it's all right with you, before we're done here, I'll read your phone number on air so that he'll he'll have your contact info and he'll reach out to you for like a, like a re- reimbursement. If that's if that's all right with you, <laughs> I'm sure it's, I'm sure he could write it off as a tax expense or something, <laughs> a business expense or something. Yeah, but I you know, and again, that's the thing. That's the risk with the show. You know, for the most part, I like to think the reading selections are going to be stuff that, you know, I'm going to like and, and yeah. listeners will enjoy and that yeah. they would be worthy additions to their bookshelves. But that won't always be the case. But uh, yeah. Nick, I appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, you might you might have liked it. I don't know. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like everyone's mileage with this run is going to vary. I will say, though. Most of the people I've spoken to about this didn't, did not have great things to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A bunch of my friends were a bunch of my friends were, were, were flabbergasted that that was something that I was subjecting. I was willingly subjecting myself to. Let's um, let's not do what the run did, and let's mm-hmm. right at the top establish who Red Hulk is, and okay. let's issue the yes. spoiler warning. You know, I again the run has been out for over a decade, so years. most yeah, likely is, you, you know who Red Hulk is already. If right. not, right. we're going to spoil it. It's going to be part of our discussion. Would you like to do yeah. the honors? Who who is Red Hulk, Jeff? Uh, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross is the Red Hulk, um, and he is 
he is the least likable protagonist of a comic book I've read in several years. Yeah, well said. Have you ever, I, I was thinking about this and I wanted to ask you, have you ever called someone a milksop? I have never called someone a milksop. Um. <laughs> do you think you might after, like, do you think you might now, having gone through this run, do you think that might be part of your, you know, your vernacular where if you really want to put someone down and you think they're a weakling, you'd be like, you milksop? I'm, I, you know, if it's one of the positive, like, that might be one of the few positives that I'm taking away from this run. So, yeah, that, that is going to be an everyday occurrence. I will have a milksop of the week. Um, <laughs> I'll start a Twitter account just for that. You know, we mentioned cocktails. If if someone were to take a shot, mm-hmm. let's say let's say Nick Jones or someone else out there with Nick the Hulk Jones? with the omnibus, yeah. right? So they have the entire story at their disposal. They're going to mm-hmm. sit down for an evening. They're going to go through that thing, and let's say they they decide they want to have some fun with it, make a little drinking game. Every time Red Hulk thinks or says Milksop, they're going to take a shot. Oof. I mean, are they are they are they getting up the next morning? What what what, you, what kind of shape are they going to be? I mean, I think you're gone. Six issues in at that point. Um, Milksop that shows up a lot. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> now that I look back on it, um, that is that is one of the more odd character traits for <laughs> for Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, and you already, I think you really hit the nail on the head in both respects. I think you, I think mm-hmm. you've already targeted the really, I think the two main problems that I had with this, Yeah, but I'll just, I'll echo it. And cause I want to, I want to make sure I'm upfront with this is that in terms of why I didn't really enjoy this run, I agree with you that it was f- all flash and no substance. It didn't have the heart that I know Loeb can write yeah. with. And he exactly. has written with so many times before. And, you know, that's the thing. I think that's why I was so disappointed with this run. It's because, like, oh, I know what he can do. Yeah. And this wasn't that. So it, it was all flash and no substance. And, yeah, I mean, Red Hulk was not was not somebody I was whose adventures I was enjoying. Like, he wasn't right. a protagonist I could get behind. Yeah. Would you even call me hero? No. I mean, I... No, right? He's he's the main character, but in no way would you label him as the hero of this story. Um, he, he, you even have a couple of side missions with just Bruce being the Hulk, and those were a lot. They, they were a lot more enjoyable than than Red Hulk's Rock, if I may, Rock's uh, Rock's adventures. And if you're setting him as you know the kind of the breakaway character for this if this is this is then you need to make him a lot more likable and 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 a lot less problematic which i found a lot of issues with just the way Loeb was characterizing him um uh, like what kind of stuff do you like do you you this one stands out in my mind specifically um and i like as i told you before when we were texting that i was skimming the run again because i'm a masochist uh (laughs) But there is there's 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 an arc split between Hulk and Bruce, Green mm-hmm. Hulk in Vegas, and um, Rulk in fighting uh, Thundra, She Hulk, and um, Valkyrie. Um, I don't know if you can recall, and he's just the most misogynistic mm. dialogue that I I can recall reading. I mean. At one point, I don't know if you recall, but he's about to kill She-Hulk, and he just keeps 
he just keeps hitting on the other two characters in some of the most lascivious and like filthy ways and you're like why am i reading this this is terrible yeah no no i i do remember that yeah i mean like it's like you know because there are characters you can love to hate right and right. that that could be fun right and he doesn't fall into this category at least no. not for me and you know i referenced this a few minutes ago but going back to our all-star batman and robin episode you know i i came into that episode i went into my reread and i went into that episode you know, my, my whole thesis, and I still stand by this, was like, listen, there's a certain mindset that you need to have going into this story, and if you can, if you can accept that, you can have a lot of fun reading All-Star Batman and Robin. And that's not to say it's a perfect story. It's definitely not. And that's not to say that there aren't problematic aspects. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you can get behind the idea that, like, okay, like this is this bonkers take on Batman. It's, it's you know, it's meant to be funny, and it's, you know, you know, painting a portrait of Bruce Wayne, like at a really weird time where he's losing it. And, you know, Dick Grayson is going to kind of help him, you know, get back on his path. And of course, the story never finished. So we didn't get to see it all come to fruition. But, right. you know, you could kind of get a sense of where it was going. But it's like, I, for me, and I was able to enjoy the story to an extent with that mindset. And mm -hmm. so with this, as I went into it, and as I was reading, like, I was really, I was trying, I was like, well, is there, like, is there a way that I could kind of approach this where it's like, no, like, like it's fun. And I just never got there. No, same same with me. Um, it did feel like a chore in many ways. And you can absolutely make an enjoyable comic story where the villain is kind of the centerpiece. Um, Matthew Rosenberg did it recently in a Kingpin run. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, which is which is really good. It, 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 it's, a, it's a fun read. Um, you know, there's a lot of comics out there where Thanos is the central character. And he's just, I mean, obviously he's a villain. Um, but, you know, the way they characterize him, he, he can be very sympathetic. Um, and even, you know, one of the more bomb, Deadpool, Deadpool was not, is not, you know, the most, I mean, now he's a hero, but, you know, he tends to vacillate between, you know, mercenary and, and, and superhero. He's not necessarily a superhero. He's just likable. That's not the case in this comic. The thing I kept thinking about was... I don't know if this were animated or live action and you had, for example, Dwayne Johnson as Red mm -hmm. Hulk. Right. I feel like that's the sort of thing that's like, okay, like now I kind of get a little bit more what they're going. I, like, I feel like just through his natural presence and charisma, right. like he might, you might be able to, you know, latch onto the character a little bit, but right. you know, but that's not what we're dealing with here. And I think no. from what's on the page, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was real, real tough to connect with the character and, you know, for the first half of the run, you know, it's just issue after issue of him being a jerk and yeah. beating everyone up. He comes across even, everyone, even the watcher. And that, that didn't even add anything to the story. <laughs> and look, I'm not a huge Marvel guy, so I wasn't even right. it, it, it's not like I was even like but but even even as not being a Marvel fan, I still had that thought of like. That's too much power. Like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I just... You're taking the Hulk, who's already, uh, who's already, you know, the most powerful being in... Or the strongest being in, in, in the Marvel Universe. And you're essentially just kind of palette-swapping him and gilding the lily a little bit. Because not only do you have an incredibly powerful character, but you're also giving him more powers. I mean, the ability to absorb energy, the ability to project heat. Um, how are we supposed to... There's no drama to this character because he's, he's, he's at no point is he really ever in danger uh, and on top of the fact that he's also supremely unlikable. 
So there's really the only drama in it is how much of a dick he can be. Yeah, I mean, basically. And, you know, so for like the first half, again, it's just him beating everyone up. And you don't even get, I mean, I'd have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure you don't even really get his inner monologue on a regular basis until Mm -hmm. really it's like halfway through the run with that Code Red storyline. Right. 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 And that's where we start to have the turn, right, where the people he's working for now have, have turned on him. Right. And now he kind of becomes the underdog, and that's when he teams up with Bruce. But it's like... Even that, you felt no sympathy for him. No, because he dug his own grave at that point. Uh, you know, he, he like you said, um, in the, in the, the was it, what is it, where he forms that team to fight the defenders, the offenders? Yes. Um, so he chooses to align with villains in the first place. So that's already kind of, I mean, that's already kind of seeing, you know, or it's already kind of putting forth that, you know, this guy isn't a good guy. I mean, he's choosing to side with Baron Mordo, with with Terax, with uh, Tiger Shark, against this group of heroes. And then he proceeds to go on and massacre his own team, as well as killing... He just kills everyone on the board. I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing... There's nothing heroic about that. And then he's mad that he doesn't actually kill that all of... that everyone has been returned to their respective timelines. Uh, he's mad that he doesn't have any blood on his hands. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's like, is he? Are we supposed to root for him? I mean, I, like, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of hard. I think that's what's kind of tough about this because you would kind of expect, I suppose, like if you were to describe the character of Red Hulk to someone, yeah, who hadn't read the run, you would probably assume they're like, oh, okay, like they're there as the antagonist, but like it's still Bruce's story. Right, but that's not the case. Like Bruce is off the yeah. board from Bruce is, the majority of this run, really. Yeah, you know, he's in the first what he's in the first couple of issues when he's kind of locked up uh, in that shield, what we think is a shield facility. Right. Um, and then you know later on he's kind of aligned himself with with uh, Rulk, but yeah, he's really not around. And then he has that single, he has that solo story uh-huh. where he's in Vegas. Um, but like I don't know. So you know, with his with him being largely absent. I mean, it, it really is Red Hulk's... I, I refuse to call him Rulk, which I know they yeah, do. Yeah, in was, which is ridiculous. I'm throwing it in sporadically. <laughs> I can't. But, uh, but, you know, really it becomes his story. But it's like, yeah, he's, he's not likable. They don't really give you any reason to, to root for him. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I think, you know, if you were to enjoy this story, I mean, I don't know. I think you just have to get behind the idea that, like, he is a jerk and he's yeah. strong and he's going to beat everyone up. And if that's what you're looking for, I, you know, I, the, the, you know, this will scratch that itch, but I, you know, again, it just it didn't have the heart. Yeah, I think that I mean, and this is I think this is a 90s character that is written in 2008. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, like a little bit extreme, uh, a chock full of machismo, um, which is you know, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not disparaging that in any way, those comics in any way, but I think it's very much a byproduct of the 90s, like the image revolution, where you've got a lot of these characters that are extremely flashy, you know, like powerful, overpowered, but really lack depth. I think that's kind, that is kind of the parallel that I made when I was reading the, the Red Hulk, um, which is shocking because Loeb is such a great writer. Um, but you know he gives the Hulk a gun, and I know I know Peter David did that in, in during his run. But the Hulk doesn't need a gun. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting with Loeb, and I think I have I have some perspective on it now, having just reread his whole Superman Batman run. And, and again, I know you haven't heard this yet, but the Superman Batman run, the four arcs that we talked about in that Digging for Kryptonite episode, it's really interesting because I, I don't know, maybe you, maybe even in that run you see a shift in his writing because, you know, the first two arcs, you know, Public Enemies where we deal with Lex as president and then the Supergirl arc you know, they do a really nice job. I, I felt, uh, even upon reread, of balancing, you know, that big blockbuster action that you would expect from a superhero book with a really interesting examination of the Clark-Bruce dynamic and some true emotional resonance. You know, Clark's anger over Lex being president and then, uh, you know, everything that Clark goes through when he realizes that, you know, he might potentially have a relative from Krypton who's still alive and he's not the last of his kind. Like, those first two arcs, I think, really do a lot and there's a nice balance. And then in the absolute power and with a vengeance arcs, it, it's, it's they're, you know, uh, timeline hopping and they're jumping through universes and, and alternate realities and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. it just didn't have the, the depth and the heart that I felt the first two arcs did. And right. I feel like the Red Hulk run that came after was, was that, but even kicked up another notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they really sacrificed a lot of the story for a lot of really great action scenes. Um, and there's a lot, and so, you know, if we want to say something, because I was thinking about this, I'm like, what, what can I say that's nice about the A few the positives, yeah. I love the art. Look, I the love art. McGinnis. Well, they, he, I mean, it's a murderer's row of talent that they bring in for this, for this, uh, for this run. Like, the McGinnis stuff is amazing. Um, art Adams doing art on it. Incredible. Frank Cho. Yeah. Another just talented artist. Ian Churchill. Uh, yeah, Ian Churchill. Well, it's funny because Ian Churchill's style in this comic is very different from the style that he he's known for. You know, like a lot of finer details, um, a lot of like cross hatching, and a lot of just just a uh, uh, um, like very 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 uh, like it's not clean lines. He's putting a lot of details in it, but he's very much. I don't want to say he's not copying, but his style very much resembles Ed McGinnis's style in, in this book. Um, and that's actually because he had shoulder injury prior to, he had shoulder surgery prior to oh. jumping on the book. So apparently the, the, that style of art was, um, was less, less, uh, um, intense for him to do. It, it, it was, it was easier for him to do is instead of using his typical art style. So I found that interesting. Oh yeah, that is interesting. The other thing, I don't know if you, if this jumped out at you, but you know, McGinnis usually, and for most of this run, I believe was inked by Dexter Vines, but he's, yes. inked, he's inked by someone I forget offhand. I should have double checked, but there's a different inker for at least a, like a couple of the later issues. And his, it really looks, di- I mean, it really makes you, I mean, it, it still looks different. like, it still looks like McGinnis, but right, it, right. it, there is a, there is a different quality to it. And um, yeah. it, it, yeah, it loses a little bit of that like full on McGinnis effect. It really it makes mm-hmm. you just appreciate the value of what an inker can do and, yeah. and, you know, how much they can uh, really influence the final product. Yeah, really just embellish a great style, especially a style that's as distinct as Ed McGinnis, because, as you know, uh, like Ed McGinnis and Dexter Vines are kind of a they're kind of a one two punch, the, the, the one two combo, um, very well known, frequently associated with each other like uh, uh, and, you know. It's the dream team for this book. Uh, yeah, so awesome art. We'll give it that. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'll also say this. It reads fast. 
<laughs> you know. So if you want to get through it quickly, you can. I, I mean, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, again, I, I I'm trying to think how I broke this up. I did not do it all in one sitting. I mean, it was like it was tough to get through in the sense that like I'm really not enjoying this, right? And it felt like a chore. But like issue by issue, like each issue, I, I was able to kind of like get through pretty yeah. quickly, which yeah. It's not much of a compliment. I don't know. Like if you went up to Loeb at a convention and you're like, I read your, I read your Hulk run. He's like, oh yeah, what'd you think? Very fast. <laughs> it goes quick. <laughs> it goes quick. It goes real quick. <laughs> it's like, thanks. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Thank you for subjecting me to that. That, yeah. was, that was a lot of fun. Let's take a 30 second commercial break. And then I want to talk sure. about whatever else you want to talk about. And I also want to talk about the mystery aspect of this, because I think that's the oh, other yeah. huge component to this. And I actually mm-hmm. have, I have a, a listener uh, sent in uh, his take on it that I think will be, will be fun. Oh, so uh, yeah, so let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll get right back into it. Sounds good. Movie lovers should check out this family of film festivals, the Brightside Tavern Film Festival in Jersey City, the Hang On To Your Shorts Film Festival in Asbury Park, and the Point Lookout Film Festival on Long Island. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the podcasts hosted by the festival's organizer, C.J. Cullen. You can find the official Hang On To Your Shorts podcast, as well as the Cullen On Film podcast, via a shared universe network. And we're back. So, did you know who Red Hulk was when you started your your reading project? I I did, actually. Uh, I did. Um, be, it, it, it was pretty. It was pretty well known secret after the the run came out. And as someone who you know was ju- had just picked it up because you know we decided we were going to read it, there was a lot of time for it to get spoiled. <laughs> yes, that is true. What's funny is that. I was pretty sh- like going into this. I was pretty sure it was Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think just being at the comic shop and hearing people talk about it, and it's like I'm sure I read an article about it at the time, even though I wasn't reading the actual story. But you know, just to kind of know who it was. But again, we're talking over a decade, and it's not something that I ever really fully investigated or thought about. <laughs> so it wasn't top of mind. But in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's Ross. And then there is that misdirect. Right in the in the first arc, at the end of the first arc, where you know Red Hulk is knocked out, and you see yeah. Ross, and you see Ross. Uh, yeah. Samson, and Samson. and I, I will say that was enough to cast a little bit of doubt. I mean, in retrospect, it's like, well, of course it would have been the the, the life model decoy, but right, in the moment, right. it was there was it was enough to cast a little bit of doubt, such that as I was making my way through the story, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. But to your point, it's like as you as you keep going, I mean, it's like who else could it possibly be? And, right. you know, especially with all the Milksop stuff, which I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Ross calls him in Hulk's in Hulk Gray by Loeb. Yeah. I would have to double check. But, you know, it, between that and the lack of Ross elsewhere in the story for the most part, I mean, it just, yeah. and just kind of by process of elimination, it's like, well, it kind of has to be him. So it's just so odd to me that they would drag this out for almost the entire run. Right, two years two years of not knowing and we read this over you know a span of days so it's like not that big of a deal and again you knew i was pretty sure but it's like even if we went in not knowing at all it's like all right you'll know in a few days like i don't know if you were reading this as it were coming out for two years (laughs) well do you think anyone was concerned i I think that the whodunit aspect of it kind of took a back seat 
to 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 all the. I mean, it it would pop in, it would pop in sporadically here and there. You know, uh, the domino the domino right. arc kind of uh, was brought it to the forefront again. And you know, there's oh, you know, this is Len Sampson's jacket bathed in gamma radiation, and like, you've got a lot of clues here and there, but. I don't think the I think the mystery became less central to the story the further it went on, and I think it's just because you know the reveal was going to disappoint regardless. <laughs> because this is not a whodunit you could figure out. This is not a mystery. Did you think you could figure out? I don't think they lay out any clues. This is not an Agatha Christie novel where they're they're kind of sprinkling in you know potential suspects and no. And so this is the thing, right? I. I think there are, there are maybe three versions of Loeb, the comic book writer. Mm-hmm. And my favorite is the heartfelt Loeb, the yes. Loeb of For All Seasons and the Marvel oh. color books. And, yeah. you know, and there are aspects of that in his Superman run and this, and those first couple Superman-Batman arcs uh, where he, he writes from the heart and you, they're character-driven stories that, um, you know, really, I think, reveal a lot about the characters. And, and oftentimes you see that in the way the characters talk about uh, each other, you know, via the their monologues and everything. And yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah. So the bittersweet, heartfelt, nostalgic Loeb, my favorite. Yes, yes. Loeb, the mystery writer. Now, I, I've read Long Halloween and Dark Victory and all that stuff, but it's been a few years. So I, I'm going to I won't say anything now because I have to reread that before I make like a final judgment. But I have recently reread Hush. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the subject of an upcoming book club episode that I've already recorded. Okay. Uh, so that one's in the can and that'll be coming out uh, at the beginning of, of April. So not, not too long from now. Okay. And I don't know what your feelings are about Hush, but it's not a great mystery. It's not a great mystery. Uh, there's so many misdirects that are just... They're misdirects that would only work in a comic book universe, you know? This is not something where you can base it on regular logic because, I mean, comic books defy logic. That's why we love them. But it doesn't lend itself to really permitting someone to follow a regular line of, of, of logic to figure out who the culprit is. Right. Like, that's the thing. And I say this in the Hush episode, but a little bit of a preview. I mean, I feel like, and I'm no mystery expert, but... I feel like for a mystery to really work, yeah, there have to be breadcrumbs, clues that you could potentially figure it out. Not that it's easy to figure out, but right. you, there should be enough there that you could. But more importantly, there should be enough there that you get to the end and you're like, oh, I can't wait to read that again. And you read it again and now you see how everything lines up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with Hush and I won't, although, I mean, again, I, know, I think people I mean, know that. I read Hush. <laughs> I enjoyed Hush. Well, so that's the thing. Hush is still very enjoyable. I love it. It is very enjoyable. It's great as you know, a look into, into Bruce's personality and even more so as this, or a really fantastic encapsulation of the Batman mythology and the, right. the allies and the rogues gallery. Like it's like, right. and uh, an amazing art. art. Not Jim Lee art. Exactly. So there's a lot about it that I really, really like, but it's not a great mystery. No, no, it's not. Uh, and then you have the lobe of, you know, Red Hulk and uh, I never read his ultimates, but I think that's probably, you know, kind of, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of aligned as well, I think. Right? Kind of in that vein where, again, yeah. like the flash, flash and no substance, you know, kind of, kind yeah. of lobe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as a mystery, so I had a listener write in, uh, Lord of Retail of Acme Comics. Oh, and, J- uh, uh, Jermaine. Jermaine. I met him at a Baltimore Comic Con. Very cool guy. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember you yeah, told me about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm hanging out with Lord Retail right now. 
Yeah, he's the best. He's you know he he's yeah. he's been on my other podcast, my comic shop history, and features rather prominently in in my comic shop country. Yes, yes. But uh, he was one of the people when I announced this reading selection. He he texted me. He was like, "Oh boy," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, like what do you what do you got?" That's on me. And he he called it, and I asked him. I was like, "May I quote you on this?" He was like, "Yes, please do." He called the treatment of the mystery abusive, you know, toward readers. <laughs> And he distinguished it from. Did you ever? Did you follow the Hobgoblin mystery in the in the classic Spider-Man stories? Are you familiar with this? Um, I'm aware of the character. Um, I, I, I. Well, that's a good starting point, at least. Yeah, I'm aware of the character. Um, <laughs> no, so is, so with yeah. Hobgoblin in the in the Amazing Spider-Man uh, run, uh, this was like Roger. St- like I, I believe this was all um, you know the the brainchild of Roger Stern. But you know Hobgoblin's identity was kept secret for many years, and then Stern eventually left, and um, I believe other writers revealed who Hobgoblin was, and then Stern later came back and basically retconned and and put in okay. who he originally wanted Hobgoblin to be. But yeah. you know that was a mystery that went on for many many years. But to Jermaine's point, it's like fans were still kind of on board with that. Yeah. Whereas with this, uh, again, he described it as as abusive. And I, I think that, yeah, in terms of how long it lasted, right. the lack of meaningful clues, how obvious it was. Like, that's the thing. And this is what I wrote back to Jermaine. I was like, you know, as I was reading this, again, figuring it was Ross and it, like, it, was, it felt like, well, it has to be Ross. But that made me doubt myself. I'm like, well, it wouldn't be that obvious. <laughs> but it's like, no, nah, it was. <laughs> Well, I, the only the only suspects really are what Ross and Sam, Doc Samson. Yeah. And you know, Doc Samson is a little bit more red herring than Red Hulk in this, so like it's it, it's going to be it's going to be Thunderbolt. Yeah, but then it's just it's like why why drag it out? Yeah. As long as they did. Didn't need to be two years. Did not need to be two years. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It just feels like what. And, and I guess that's kind of what I think about because, again, trying to f- find something positive about it. There were, th- I would say there were three issues in this run that I actually liked. Okay. And they were the ones where Loeb was his most, like, classic Loeb. The Leonard okay. Samson spotlight issue where he's in that therapy <laughs> session with himself. Yes, yes. The, the, the origin epi- the episode, the origin issue, the that's second to last issue. issue. That's probably the o- one of the only ones I enjoyed. Right. And then I think it was issue, like, 13 or so uh, w- where it's banner-centric. Mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Rolk has absorbed all of his energy and he can't be Hulk anymore and he hits the road, yeah. but like, you know, it's, uh, you know, kind of introspective and, and you spend some time with Bruce. Like those are the three issues that I liked where we got, re- they really, he really told the story through the perspectives of each of those characters. And I thought that was interesting. Right. right. And, but so I wonder, I wanted to ask you, it's like, do you think the story would have been better, would have been more effective, might've had a little bit more meat on the bone if, if we knew it was Ross and you actually could invest in his story a little bit more from like from the beginning or from issue seven instead of 24. No, that's a great point. And uh, thinking back on it, I think that it would at least give you a, it would at least give you a reason to not like the Red Hulk um, beyond characterization. Cause Thunderbolt Ross has never been kind of, he's never been a character that, you know, you can ever get behind. Um, you know, very much, very much like old school, like 
uh, I don't want to say toxic masculinity, but like that, that I think that, that that's kind of an aspect of his character. You know, this belief that might makes right, and which is why you know Bruce was both Bruce was never enough for Betty, and why he kind of coveted the power that the Hulk had. Um, so knowing that this was not a character that is going to be heroic in really any way, it frees you. It it. it, it it gives you, it permits you the the to lose the expectation that this is a good guy. It's not a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's like the main character. You know, he'll fight villains, but he's not a good guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And and in fairness, you know, we have the benefit now of over a decade, and you know, we can play, you know, Monday morning quarterback and look back right. on it and say, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. I don't know. I I can't. It's <laughs> such a jerky, but I can't imagine it being much worse. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like if we had at least known it was Ross and we knew how he got to this point and what he was trying to achieve. And I, I don't know, it, it just there might have been more of an opportunity to invest. I just feel like in terms of what we have. And the other thing, too, that was like weird about this run to me, like, how do I put this? And if you enjoyed this run, I'm not trying to take away your enjoyment of it. And in fact, I have Absolutely. I have one person who liked it. Really? Uh, Scott Scott Honig, who he was on the last was episode the of last this. The last episode, right? Yeah. Where we did the Kevin Smith, Green Arrow, and Daredevil. And uh, he's going to be yeah. back for a Greg Rucka Detective Comics episode uh, okay. in a little bit as well. But... Um, he wrote to me and he was like, you know, I liked it. He said, you know, after the, you know, the drama of Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, like it was, you know, it was a nice kind of like palate cleanser and it was, you know, fast paced and action packed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't begrudge him his enjoyment right. of that. But I, I think, I don't know, as I was reading this, it, I feel like it really was aimed, I don't know, more for well, not for, I don't know. There's a lot not that's not kid. necessarily kid friendly, but I, I guess what makes me say that is. In this tour through the Marvel Universe and, I don't know, like the whole Offenders group and, you know, She-Hulk and the Lady Liberators and and then that Code Red arc where Red Hulk assembles all the red costumed Which is. characters and the Marvel. It just felt like Loeb was playing with action figures. Like, that's what the story's yeah. read like. And that's what yeah. makes me say, yeah. like aimed maybe more for younger audience, but I agree. I mean, you know, that, uh, you know, again, for the most part, I would not say this is a kid-friendly story, but it had, like, but didn't it have that feel to you? No, I told, I, I understand. I would, if I were to kind of compare it to something, um, I would say it's kind of like a, uh, kind of like a Michael Bay movie, you know? Yeah. Um, like, a lot of explosions, a lot of, like, a lot of really cool action scenes, um, the story is not necessarily like the story is very much, you know, it's on the surface. This is what you're getting. Um, but it, it's kind of put together in a very enjoyable, visually stimulating, uh, package. And I think that's kind of what the Red Hulk is, you know, yeah, like he's in his sandbox and he's just kind of, you know, making one guy making, you know, his Punisher action figure smash into his X-23 figure. Uh, <laughs> it, it's what's cool is he... Uh, Daniel Way later on. I don't know if you uh, if you've if you've read this run, but Daniel Way kind of takes the same team. Um, so it's Red Hulk, Punisher, Elektra, and Deadpool, and maybe another character uh, uh, thrown in. But he he spins them off later on into its a, a Thunderbolts title. 
Um, so, but he kind of takes that that team, and there's a little bit more to it. Um, but Daniel Wade does a good job of kind of taking Jeff Loeb's, you know, Hulk team, Code Red team, and and kind of giving them a purpose, which is which is pretty interesting. And I think Charles Soule takes over later on. I mean, don't quote me on that. I might not be right, but I definitely know Daniel Wade was uh, kind of took the characters and gave them a little bit more. All right. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good to hear. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, with the nature of, of comic book storytelling, right? You can have that, you know, you can, yeah. you, know, you know, a subsequent writer can come on and kind of add another dimension or something like that. And, yeah. and so that's, you know, that's cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like as I was reading it, you know, issue by issue, arc by arc, you know, this tour through the MCU, you know, again, everything that I laid out, that was just sort of the, the feel that it had, but it was... It's interesting because, like, what Loeb did with Hush was not completely dissimilar, right? He he kind of gave you that tour through the world of Batman. But I felt mm-hmm. like there it was more impactful because each time Batman, you know, interacted with one of his enemies or allies, you know, it kind of showed you something about Batman or that dynamic, right? Like, it was yeah. organic and there was a purpose to it. Whereas in this story, it just felt empty. It just felt exactly yeah. like this whole thing of, like, the packaging. I think what you hit the nail on the head with it right where it just right. kind of felt like okay like we're gonna play with these toys for this arc yeah. and it's like okay <laughs> how cool is this how cool is this yeah that's kind of where i land on that i think well i feel like a lot of this i feel like a lot of story arcs kind of didn't lead anywhere you know yeah. i mean you know there's a it, 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 it's a fun read at the time but it, it it doesn't necessarily lend itself to maybe progression of this ultimate story um you know like i'm thinking about you know, uh, the, I think the most uh, uh, the, the the most obvious example is kind of the 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 um, the defenders offenders arc, um, yeah. where you know he kills everyone, but it doesn't matter because they get returned to their to their timelines or you know their where they were at the time that they were taken. So it's it's kind of just it's kind of just there and then immediately retconned. Going, I want to just jump back to Lord Retail for a second because there's okay. another thing that he he texted to me a couple of times and it's it's <laughs> it's the same statement that he just felt the need to send you a couple of times. Yeah, I and I you know what when I say it you're gonna be like oh I get it. It is a really good point. I don't know if you thought about this. I'll be honest. I it didn't cross my mind, but when he said it, I was like, well, of course. It's like yeah, that is a that that is kind of difficult to reconcile. Uh, Jermaine refers to it as the retractable mustache like why does red hulk not have a mustache if ross does like had you thought about that because i didn't actually i never even thought about that that makes no sense (laughs) that's actually really interesting i never thought of that um actually that because i did a little bit of research into the red hulk um they kind of remedy that in a later arc of u.s avengers where they have uh, a character that kind of assumes the role of the Red Hulk. It's not it's not Thunderbolt, but he he's he's another military man. He assumes the role of the Red Hulk with with some technology from, um, I think AIM, um, where he, he becomes the Red Hulk, but he's still got the Tom Selleck stash going on. <laughs> but that's a great point. Yeah, I didn't even think about that until now. <laughs> Which I I do think adds like it adds insult to injury with this mystery. The fact that it was a mystery that was sustained for almost the entirety of this two-year run where they're simultaneously somehow, like it was both incredibly obvious who it was, yet really not enough breadcrumbs for you to 
really form the full picture. Right. And you have this like glaring, er- or you know, not error, but kind of like something that was really overlooked that that probably should have been addressed. Right. You right. know about the mustache. So I feel like you know, yeah. Overall, it, it, really, if you're looking at this as a mystery, I think it's. You know, yeah, oh, it falls flat. Really, really tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. Well, what do you think of the? I mean, do you even consider it a mystery? We're talking. Obviously, the the focal point is Thunderbolt. You know, who is who is the Red Hulk? But uh, did you at, at any point find yourself wondering who the Red She Hulk was? I mean, I figured it was Betty. Like I didn't. But at that, you know what? At that point, I didn't really care. You didn't care, right? <laughs> That's the thing. It's like at that point when it's like, okay, a red version of another. It's just, I just didn't, I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think that the problem with this arc in a whole is that it just kind of waters down who the Hulk is by introducing all of these superpowered gamma, you know, superpowered gamma radiated characters. Like it's just, it's unnecessary. You've got, I mean, obviously you've got the Hulk and She-Hulk, you know, who are kind of the, the, were kind of the the Hulk characters, but now you've got the Red Hulk. Now you've got Red She Hulk. Now you've got A Bomb. Yeah, like all of these. I mean, and they're they're the Hulk. They're powerful like the Hulk, but they've got additional powers. You know, like that. I I don't think that I don't think they're taking the Hulk and they're just you know adding a bunch of new features on him. Like it's it's the they're the twenty you know the two thousand eight models of whatever the, the Hulk was. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I think that's a problem with this. You know, it's like, again, the DC guy, but, you know, you look at Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps, and it's like, well, that's built into the premise of the character in that mythology yeah. that you're going to have all of these different right. members. He's a part of a team. Or right. He's a part of a core. You know, and then you have, you know, the Flash family, for example. But, you know, right. there too, There's there's that kind of, dynamic and they each occupy their own space this just felt like you know again sort of like playing with like what what's another toy that we can throw in the mix there so what's a cool thing i could do like that's what it is you know just trying to come up with like a cool thing that i can do with some of these characters yeah i will say i was i was very excited when i got to the end of i don't know if it was the first issue are you okay are you okay (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) All right, you're all right. All right. Take your time. It's all right. It's all good. Sorry. Oh, wrong cube. No. All right. It's okay. Take your time. We'll. Uh, I'll. I'll vamp. I'll vamp. It's okay. okay. I was just. All right. I'm glad you're okay. I'm good. Whew. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't be so hard on uh, on this Red Hulk run. <laughs> This is low, it's bad karma. This is low getting me, the bad juju. Well, you can't handle your alcohol? What are you, some kind of milksop? <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. I think I'm just going to leave that in because I think for anyone who's made it to the 51-minute mark, I think they'll be like, oh, my God, like, what What are happened? We are we that deep? Are we 50 minutes, 51 yeah. minutes in? yeah. Oh my God. I didn't think we'd have this much to talk about. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, I really, I knew that we would have a fun episode and I knew that you and I could fill an hour. No problem. But at the Easy. same time, I, yeah, I was a little worried because I was like, I really don't have that much. Well, I guess clearly I do, but I didn't feel like I had that much to say about this run. Really? Uh, it's but, shallow. Like that's, you know, there's not much depth to it. Yeah. And you know what? I, like, that's the thing, you know, to Scott's point, 
yeah. you know, I, I don't think he would necessarily dispute the shallow claim. Maybe he would. I don't know. But, you know, for him, it's like he liked it because it was light and fun and action-packed. And, oh, you can like it because it's right? shallow. And, you know, it's... it's yeah, and maybe maybe Loeb, if you raised any of this with him, maybe Loeb would be like, no, like that's what I was trying to do. Like I just wanted this like off the wall, you know, uh, you know, antagonistic Hulk character who beats everyone up, and that's it. And it's, yeah. and I'm like, all right, but again, it's just <laughs> yeah, he definitely did. But he definitely I, accomplished that. I don't know if it was the first issue, or one of the later uh, issues, but the uh, those one page backup stories with the mini Marvels, those were a lot of fun. And your boy, Chris Giarusso. Chris Giarusso. I, uh, I didn't know that they were part of this this run. And I know at a certain point, there was a different uh, creator who was doing them. But uh, yeah. Chris did the, the first batch. And when I got to that first, I was like, yo, Chris. Like, that was I was happy to see that. That was the best part. <laughs> That's the best part of the issues. <laughs> There's some truth to that because were those were a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Red, blue, and green Hulk is a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So shout out to Chris. Chris, I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but uh, oh, no. but yeah, he's awesome. And uh, yeah, I was really happy to see that. I still covet the uh, sketch card he did for me after uh, for, uh, uh, after supporting your uh, your Kickstarter. Yes, like, I love that little like that little sketch card that I got from him. Who did you get again? I got Gambit. Gambit, yeah, yeah, my favorite mutant. Yeah, I'm lame like that. He was awesome, I, you know, uh, and he wasn't the only one. There were a lot of people who. Um, you know, who, who did awesome stuff like Greg Shegel did, did sketches as well. Mm -hmm. Brandon Montclair did portfolio reviews. Like there was a lot yeah. of, like there were a lot of you heavy hitters, dude. people like that, that's, you know, you, a lot of people in the industry. Yeah. People did some really cool stuff for that. My comic shop country, uh, Kickstarter campaign, but yeah, for Chris yeah. in particular, he did, uh, yeah, these sketch cards as rewards and yeah, you got Gambit and that's awesome. Yeah. They came out great. He, uh, they came they're, great. they're really cool. I love my, I love mine. I love mine. Uh, so yeah, that was a fun aspect. Uh, you know, had nothing to do with the main story, but they, <laughs> they were there. <laughs> It made it easier to read, I, knowing that I could look forward to the uh, the little Hulk strips at the end of it. Yeah. We also have to address how eerily the climax uh, of the yeah, run yeah. parallels yeah. recent real-world events. Because, Absolutely. Because if I were to say to you, hey, remember that <laughs> time that a red-faced blowhard who claimed that he was saving the country... Uh, directed a mob of people to storm the Capitol, I could either be talking about <laughs> recent real-world events or this Hulk run. And, exactly. you know, regardless of where you fall politically, the parallels are right there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of glad we're getting into it um, because, like, ultimately his endgame is, you know, a coup. He wants, he thinks that he knows what's best for the country. And, you know, he is going to to do whatever it takes to to ultimately, you know, uh, take the reins. Um, and it's just so salient a point, especially now reading. Like, would you have ever thought that a comic that came out, you know, 2000, 2010 or whenever, whenever that issue came out would resonate so much? I mean, like, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, truth emulating fiction. It's... Yeah. I mean, that was, it was really weird because, you know, we're recording this mid-February. It'll drop the end of February. But I did my reading, you know, mid-January. Yeah. It was like a week after the Capitol riot. Yeah. And I even, I, I took a, I was reading on my iPad and I took a screenshot of uh, the the army of red hulks. I yeah. talk about too many hulks. They, everyone becomes a hulk at the end of the story. 
storming the Capitol. And it was, you know, weird and off-putting. And it's like having just lived, you know, watching all of that on the news uh, and then seeing it in this comic book that came out a decade, more than a decade prior, prior. Uh, was was really weird. And it definitely, for me at least, painted Ross in a different light. Yes. You know, and all of the rhetoric, and because it's not just in that issue, but, you know, leading up to it, you know, once we start to spend more time in his head, right, mm-hmm. there's a lot, he has a lot of talk about saving the country yes. and making yes. it, you know, great again. Um, yes, so it exactly. really, it really made me look at the character in a different way than I would have absent everything we've lived through in, right. in recent right. times. Well, it makes him more, I mean, it takes away, it takes away the, um, the, the whatever you can be considered as whatever can be considered as as you know like the heroic end game for him because okay this is a gentleman you know he and let's not forget you know he's a decorated he's a decorated uh, military officer you know he's someone that you know has served his country um, but he's also like on the flip side he's this is a guy that's committed treason uh, yep. by by releasing the abomination. Um, this is a guy that hit, that has decided that his way um, of his way of doing things is the right way to do things, um, and I think that any kind of aspect of him that was redeemable is is is, is gone because of current events, and I I, it, I I just think it's very indicative of the the current climate. Um, and I don't think Loeb ever intended it to be that way. This was just fiction to him, but you know, it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it really again, it just it just painted this storyline, but his character in particular in in a different light. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if there were any, I don't know, like if, if anyone was out there kind of like on the fence about, oh, should I read or reread this run? I don't know if there was any reason to tell someone that they should. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, it might be for this because I, I really think yeah. it uh, yeah. it does give it some added weight. Um, though it is, again, it, like, it was hard to read, especially like in, in the immediate aftermath of January right. 6th. I was like, oh, man, like what are the odds? Like this would be <laughs> the thing that I'm reading. Yeah. yeah, this is not something you'd ever expect to happen. And I, I completed my read of um, Hulk probably, you know, end of December. So I really didn't even think about it until you texted me, you know, that like uh, that I've just I've, I've been going through my read and, and it, 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 it kind of hits a little bit harder because of current events. And then I look back on it, you know, and you were right. It, 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 it's it, it's just something that you'd never expect. But there it is. Um you know, a bunch of a bunch of uh, crazed, a bunch of crazed, juiced up individuals slathered in red, um, that are trying to, you know, that that are trying to take over the government. Yeah, uh, and it's scary, uh, and it shouldn't have been, but it's it was scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, unfortunately, due to what we've lived through, like that that end the ending of that arc definitely it was more dramatic, and I think you know more. Uh, you know, packed more of a punch in light of yeah. in light of everything. But uh, yeah. then, you know, in the end, of course, it comes down to a, a you know a, a brawl between the two Hulks, and <laughs> Green Hulk was just stronger. You know, Green Hulk was just stronger. Was stronger. Uh, we're we're rooting for the Hulk. Uh, we're rooting for the Green Hulk the whole time. Um, but 
I just it just confuses me as to how much power the Red Hulk like I don't understand where on the spectrum of you know strength the Red Hulk falls because he beats up Thor pretty pretty easily you know and he beats up the Green Hulk at one point but like with these added you know with the added abilities of absorbing the radiation and everything like how powerful is he actually yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. And, you know, they make such a big deal earlier in the run when he absorbs all the, you know, gamma radiation yeah. from Bruce. Yeah. He can never be the Hulk again. And it's like, I mean, of course, you know, he will. He ends up. So I don't know what you did. I only read the Loeb stuff. So anything that's collected in that omnibus, anything yeah. Hulk that Loeb wrote, I read. But there were a lot of crossovers because they did the fall of the Hulks and then World War Hulks. I didn't read any of the tie in stuff, but he gets his powers back in a different issue. He does. I read some. I read Fall of the Hulks until you told me I didn't need to read Fall of the Hulks. <laughs> Look at that. At that point in the run, I was like, "Listen, don't, <laughs> don't do exactly. any more than you really need to." Try to preserve your sanity. Uh, but I, I mean, I dabbled a little bit, but like, it doesn't add much. And uh, uh, who is uh, Greg Pak was writing the Incredible Hulks at that point, and he's a great writer. I, I really, I really enjoy Greg Pak. Um, but you know, even he could not—he could not say—he could not not make uh, uh, the 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 tie-ins to the Hulk title um, very palatable. <laughs> I think for me, like it just shows how checked out I was. Yeah, because I just felt like uh, he'll get his power. Like you know, he showed up again I, as the I was like, all right, he got his powers back. I didn't care, and I figured yeah. there's you know, I don't know he. You know, was in another gamma blast or something. It's like whatever, any number of things uh, where he could have gotten his powers back. So I, you know, I didn't. But yeah, I didn't bother with any of the tie-in stuff. And that's, to be honest, maybe I would have enjoyed them more than the than the other issues. But I was just like, I'm, I just need to get through yeah. <laughs> these twenty-four <laughs> issues. You need to push through. Did I ultimately find it enjoyable? I, there were aspects of it I like, like we said, the art and you know the the the, the fights and everything. But ultimately, you know, it, it it really fell short for for what I wanted to what I wanted to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that look, I, I was open to enjoying it. You know, I definitely I went in. I guess you're a Loeb fan, so you were pretty. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that in your mind that this was going to be something that kind of fell in line with the other Loeb stuff you've read. Yeah, I mean, I think when I initially had this idea of like, okay, like it'll be cool to, to talk about Loeb, Superman, Batman, and I'll talk about this. You know, I, I guess I was somewhat optimistic and I, I looked at it as like, oh, here's like this pretty big run because I've read almost all of his stuff. I didn't read his, like the cable stuff that he did back in the day and, and you know, I didn't read his ultimates, but like I've read almost all of his comic book work. And this was a pretty big gap. So I, I, I was kind of excited. I'm like, oh, like this is a chance to read something of his and, you know, maybe I'll like it. Uh, but, you know, hearing pe some feedback from people, I was, I was starting to get a little, a little wary. Uh, but I went in certainly with an open mind and, you know, hoping that I would like it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I'm, I appreciate the work that the creators put into it. And I did think that the art was cool. But, yeah, I really... I really didn't enjoy it. Right. I, I'm, I'm very much in the same boat as you. I think that it could have been great. Uh, it could have been something that was very enjoyable. Um, but ultimately, I guess 
you know, Thunderbolt Ross is just not a character that <laughs> lends itself lends itself to. I mean too much sympathy you know like this is someone that uh, uh alienated his daughter um like com- you know ends up committing treason on multiple occasions <laughs> and uh he kind of you know every time he gets his butt kicked he deserves it yeah yeah i you know in the in the digging for kryptonite episode i i mentioned this episode to ken Marion and I was like have you have you read it and he was like no I was like I haven't really read like much if any Hulk and I was like don't start with this <laughs> you, know, like, you are right I was like yeah I was like if you are don't don't start here um I, I yeah I just think there are are stronger representations of the character yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be more you know worth worth his time um I, you know the whole we didn't even talk about the intelligentsia like the you know the the leader and the other villains who yeah, are kind of behind yeah. everything the whole thing about going after the world's smartest people like reed richards and I, you know that was cool it's i thought you know that was yeah. that was fine i don't know why, that's all i got <laughs> it's like, and they were an interesting choice of villains too because you know a lot of them are kind of the Hulk's rogue gallery is not that is is, is it, there's not much uh, breadth to it. You know, you've got the you got the leader, you've got Abomination, and then like who else is there <laughs> really? So to kind of introduce the Red Ghost as someone that we should be worried about or uh, Modok doesn't really add much gravity to that group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I know you had taken some notes. What else was uh What else was in your notes? Let's see. I, it's uh, funny because I know you you texted me. You were like, "Do I do I have to take notes?" And I was I like, "No." I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. "So yeah. it's funny because the the last two people who were on the show, Jeremy, we talked about yeah. the the color series, and then Scott, we talked about the Kevin Smith stuff. They're both teachers. Okay. So I think it's very natural for them, you know, to to right. take notes. Sean Hendricks for All Star Batman, no notes. He he came with his <laughs> cocktail. He had just done his reading assignment. He didn't read the last issue in the run because it wasn't collected in the trade paperback that he had. So he came in and we just we knocked it out. Uh, so, you know, I said to you, I was like, there's certainly no expectation for you to have any notes. I don't have any notes because I figure I just I just wing it. And uh, and I figure, you know, in some cases, the guests have their own notes. But what yeah. uh, what what else did you have on yours? Well, here's another thing about like uh, this is what that kind of what I noticed about General Ross is that like he has. You know, he, he, he's for years kind of viewed the Hulk as just this, this, this menace, you know, this, 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 this individual that's racked up a body count over the years. Like, that is, that, that's why he's worthy of his ire, because, you know, the Hulk is just, you know, a, basically a walking WMD. Um, but he has no concern about, you know, racking up his own body count. Like, he just has no problem with the collateral damage, like taking out the shield helicarrier. Um, you know, fighting on Gamma Base, like, he's got no worries about killing Clay Quarter. Well, that, I guess that wasn't him. That was, that right, was right, right. But, you know, like, he, you know, for such a, such a, a dedicated military officer, he has no problem <laughs> just destroying military bases. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, once again, to play, you know, Monday morning quarterback, it would have been interesting if they had done something a la Superior Spider-Man. If Ross, as Red Hulk, had been like, look, I'm going to show you how you can use these powers for good and not cause destruction. 
right? And not rack up, rack up a body count. Like, I feel like that could have been an interesting angle. Right. But right. he just went in the other direction. But you're, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, just, I, 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 I and, and, you know, this is, this is, this is someone who's essentially, you know, made his, made his bones, um, like, uh, being just, you know, like a high-ranking military guy. They, he also, they also claim that he's some kind of great strategist, and I don't see any of that during the course of the, during the course of the, the series. He kind of just goes around punching stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, which I didn't get. I did, I'll say this. I did like that, you know, part of Banner's plan was faking Ross's death, right? And mm-hmm. then that comes back at the end where Banner's like, you can never turn back into Ross again because, oh, true. you know, like we, you, you know, everyone thinks you're dead and we mourned you and that was the best day that you'll ever have when everyone came out to celebrate you. I, I thought that was, that was cool. That was interesting. Yeah. I, I also thought it was interesting um, um, that the death of Captain America was something that meant so much to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, because obviously he's kind of, he's kind of the epitome of, you know, the, the dedicated military man in the Marvel universe. Like, in Civil War, you know, when Captain America is beating the bejesus out of the Punisher, um, when the Punisher, uh, you know, kind of kills those uh, Jack O' Lantern and and whoever the Jester, whoever that other villain is that's trying to join the superhero underground, mm-hmm. um, Captain America beats him up, and then you know Punisher doesn't throw a punch at him. It, it's kind of very indicative of how highly they regard, you know, the military regards Captain America as just you know the bastion. Of 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 you know the army or which I thought was also very interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know if I remember that moment. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. No, I did think about that, and I did. I just kind of skimmed through uh, a yeah. few of the issues, you know, in advance of this. Uh, it's it's. I hate to say it, but I don't know. This obviously, I remember the broad strokes of this run, but it didn't make much of an impression on me because I there was a lot that I had kind of forgotten. And as I was like flipping, flipping, you know, scrolling yeah. through the issues on my iPad, I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but yeah, the the role that Cap's death played, yeah, that definitely, that definitely stood out. I mean, it's sad, but I think true to life, right? The fact that Ross holds Steve Rogers in such high regard, yet clearly doesn't hasn't learned anything from him. Exactly. Exactly. Like it, 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 it's, it's very, very hypocritical of him. Yeah. Um, you know, to, 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 to view Captain America, you know, in, in, or to, to kind of hold Captain America in that high regard, but still, you know, try, try to, uh, try to run a coup on the country. <laughs> um, let's see what, did, was there a moment that you found particularly egregious or like offensive in 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 the run. I try. I mean, really, the, like the storming the Capitol. Really, yeah. you know, that made the I think the biggest impression. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, for you, was it was it him with the Lady Liberators? Was there anything else? It was the Lady Liberators and the fact that he was able to use Mjolnir when he was in space. Like, I actually I took a lot of offense to that because I feel like he's doing. I feel like Jeff Lowe was kind of just trying was trying so hard to establish Red Hulk's dominance that he needed to just kind of go over all of these established powerhouses in the Marvel universe to their detriment. Yeah. You know, like you have this new shiny toy. Um, you want to show how cool he is by kind of clearing out all of these characters that, you know, have that that have a lot of uh that have a lot of uh, uh um 
swag in the Marvel Universe. You know, he beats up like he, he beats up Thor and is able to use Mjolnir in space. Um, knocks out the Punisher for no reason and then kills the Grandmaster and throws down with Galactus at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess along those lines, like I said before, like him punching out the Watcher, again, not even being a huge Marvel guy, but that just felt wrong to me. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, and not to get fanboyish about this or yeah, or, or nitpicky, but it's just... I think there, there's a, such a fine line because to your point, I mean, like, I agree. I think that's 100% what Loeb was doing, right? Like you want to establish, okay, this is a badass. This is a powerful character. Yeah. We're going to show you that, right? And kudos to Loeb, you know, show, don't tell, right? He right. shows you, you know, Red Hulk beating up all these people. But then it's like, well, if he's that powerful, he can never be defeated. He can never be defeated. <laughs> and, and and Unless he gets too warm, apparently, I guess. Right, yeah, no, he overheats. It's the, it's, it's the worst Achilles heel. <laughs> He just can't, he can't, he can't work too hard because he's, he apparently lacks sweat glands or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a pig, just roll around in the mud or something. I don't know. What else, anything else from your notes? Yeah. Uh, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of uh, kind of Rick Jones, you know, shifting from, you know, the all-purpose sidekick to kind of establishing his own power set um, and, and, and becoming one of these powered beings? I did not care for it. Uh, yeah, I didn't care for it either because he's the everyman, I think, in the Marvel Universe. You know, he's he's the perennial sidekick. And I think to give him superpowers, I mean, one can argue that, you know, dur uh, that he, during Peter David's Captain Marvel run, you know, he kind of had powers because he was switching out with uh, uh, Captain Marvel. But I, I, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think this kind of speaks to that larger issue that you brought up before about there being too many Hulks. I mean, but I guess, you know, that's how you end up with a storyline called world war Hulks. I mean, you know, I get like, that's what he, you know, he was going for, but yeah, I think making so many characters, Hulk characters, yeah, you know, you kind of lose something. So yeah, that to me just felt goofy. And you know, I like, I loved Loeb's treatment of Rick in Hulk gray, you know, and there's, and I know there's a lot, obviously, that's been mined with Rick over the years. And so, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, maybe Loeb didn't necessarily need to do something more nuanced with him. But I certainly would have appreciated it. Yeah, the whole A-bomb thing was just kind of goofy to me. I just, I, 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 I didn't understand the need for it. And you're just, it, like I said before, it waters down who the Hulk is. Because you have all these Hulk-esque characters, but that are... You know, that have more powers than the Hulk, you know, uh, fire projection or A-bomb's ability to camouflage himself. Um, right, right. It just, it, it felt so unnecessary. It really cheapened who the Hulk was, I thought. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I wish I, I don't know. I, I wish I had anything else to offer. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else, what else, what else do you have? <laughs> I, I. Well, I, I asked you about uh, your. So you really didn't care that uh, Betty that Betty Ross was was the Red She Hulk. I mean, I guess to an like to an extent. Although I think her like didn't her the whole resurrection with her didn't that play out in a different issue other than so Luke? it played out in a random issue of Incredible Hulks that uh, right. I did end up reading. But um, oh, I found this interesting. Um, what do you think of? 
the villain, like the rise of the villain uh, that was, you know, Samson. That was actually the, one of the more interesting aspects of the yes. story to me. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, that therapy issue where, you know, you kind of get at, at the issues and, and the jealousy that he's felt, right? And feeling kind of like passed over. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's that one scene in particular where the therapist who, you know, we find out is just Leonard, right? Another part yes. of his, his mind. But, you know, he's like all of these superhero teams, all of them, and they list like uh, you know a, a long list of them, and it's like and none of them ever called you. On you. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. I mean, what did you think? And also, because again, I really haven't followed this. I mean, what mm. what's become of him, that character? So he's he's I I I liked it. I mean, I think that um, you know Leonard Sampson. I mean, he's just a person, and they did a good job of kind of portraying him as someone with this Napoleonic complex. You know, someone that has just got this inferiority complex where where, where everything he does is, is kind of to step out of the shadow of first his father, you know, then Bruce Banner. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, and, and it was <laughs> it was interesting that it was, you know, a takeoff of those re- like those well-regarded X Factor issues, you know, the the, the kind of you know, psychotherapy, uh, uh, issues that he did in, uh, that Peter David did in, you know, his, his X Factor run and then his following X Factor run. Um, but like you get why he's a villain, but it, and, and, and it, it really gives you some great insight, um, into the character because like he's kind of a goofy character, you know, with like the low cut shirt and the green hair and like he's, he's, he, the way he looks, he should be nothing more than a sidekick. But he's actually very prominently featured in the current um, Al Ewing Immortal Hulk run. Oh. Like he's he's someone that is uh, definitely if he's uh, if not a main player, he's definitely a strong supporting character. So you know he's being used well, and he's kind of you know redeemed himself since the uh, the the heel turn, the villain turn. So so that was I thought that was very interesting what they did with. Um, what they did with um, uh, Samson. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I, I guess that's one of my other disappointments with this run is that I feel like there are numerous instances where it could have been a lot more interesting. I think, right. you know, if we had known that Red Hulk was Ross from, you know, much earlier on, or if this really was more of Samson's story, that could have actually been really interesting if, like, you're really following a lot of this from Samson's perspective and then it, you know, and then it flips and we find out that he's, you know, been behind a lot of this. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there were numerous points be really where, because, yeah, I mean, I just feel like that whole aspect, uh, you know, his turn and the reasons why it was really interesting, uh, you know. And so, like, there was some good stuff in this run, but, you know, I think it was just really, you know, secondary to the, you know, the action of Red Hulk beating everyone up. And I, and I think the story overall suffered for it. But yeah, no, the yeah. Samson stuff I really did like. That was probably, yeah, well, I mean, one of my favorite aspects, if, 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 I, if I had any of this run, it, it would have been that. <laughs> it's a very short list. <laughs> Were you a fan of the, uh, the Incredible Hulk movie? Uh, is that the, is that the, the which, which one? The, uh, the the Incredible Hulk, the Ed Norton movie. Oh, the Ed Norton one. Yes, I did yeah. like that. Um, Me too. I didn't love it, but I liked it. I thought it was a decent treatment of the character. Um, yeah. uh, like, 
I will forever associate at this point Mark Ruffalo with the Incredible Hulk. Uh, but I think Ed, Edward Norton did a great, uh, great job uh, portraying the character. Yeah, the, no, same here. I mean, I, I'm a huge Ed Norton fan, and oh, I love Ed Norton. You know, Rounders is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> right on. And I mean, look, I love what Mark Ruffalo has done. Uh, you know, there's always that part of me that I just I'm like, man, like it would have been so cool. And again, Ruffalo's a fantastic actor, but I always think like, oh man, like to have had Ed Norton and Robert Downey Jr. and these other actors, you know, sharing the screen together would have been really cool. Uh, but I liked Incredible Hulk a lot. Um, you know, yeah, what I say, I loved it. I would probably wouldn't go that far, but it's far better than I think it gets credit for. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. Is it? Is it? Is it considered a part of the MCU proper? I yeah, because you've got you've got you've got like Black Widow in there and. and well, I guess because William Hurt is in the the, the MCU. So. Yeah, so they brought William Hurt back as um, as as Thunderbolt, and he's yeah. in the Black Widow movie. So Black Widow wasn't in the Incredible Hulk. She wasn't Iron Man too, though, which was like in that right, same right, right. that same time. She period. wasn't in the Hulk. I thought Black Widow was in a Hulk movie. Uh, no? Uh, no. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, and I don't think. I mean, obviously, there were threads from the Incredible Hulk movie, like the creation of the leader that were that haven't been followed up, yeah. you know, since then. But I don't, there's nothing that I, I think directly contradicts anything in The Incredible Hulk. So, okay. you know, it's clearly not a movie that they're, you know, pulling a lot from, but it's right. still in the canon. And um, yeah, and uh, no, I definitely like that. And I liked, you know, that's one of the things that would have been cool in subsequent movies to see, you know, Ty Burrell playing Leonard Sampson and to kind of see that, you know, play out a little bit more. But, that would have that, that been very, and I, there's a, there's a Hicks and Gracie uh, uh, cameo in the uh, in the uh, Incredible Hulk movie, and and your friends that train Brazilian Jiu Jitsu will know exactly who that is. Oh, all right, so, <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, do you do you think we're going to see a Red Hulk in the MCU? I mean, obviously, you know the seeds are there. We've got the actor, and and I mean, I don't know. Do you think I, we should? It's funny because, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you would be able to answer this better than I would because I think you're you're more plugged in with stuff that's come out, you know, re, you know, more recently. I mean, I don't know what the legacy of Red Hulk is. Like, I don't know if that's the kind of character that they would really see a ton of potential in for right. for a movie. But I mean, like, I don't know. And I also, it it really seems like I think more for legal issues than anything else. Like, we're not getting solo Hulk movies. Like, we're seeing Hulk. Yeah. you know, paired up in all of these instances. So it's like, yeah, I don't know that there would even necessarily be space for that, but I don't know. What do you think? If they're pulling from the source material, then I don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that William Hurt's, you know, he's a great actor, um, but I just, I don't think, I don't think there's enough depth to the character that would permit it to be, you know, and it, I, I mean, obviously he would have to be an antagonist in in, in 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 a Hulk movie if they ever decide to do one. Like he's not someone that would be, that that, that would be you know the the the, the lead in, in the movie. Right. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. But um, I don't know. Is there anything else about this this Hulk run that you wanted to mention? Uh, that it was, it it was a fun read. Was <laughs> it? I will say that I will say that once. I got over my initial disdain of the of of of, of it, you know. It's it, it it's just like a it's 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 just a, on the surface. It's it, it's decent enough. Um, I mean, I didn't love it. I don't know if I'll ever. I've already read it two times at this point, so which is which is two more than I thought I would ever <laughs> than I would ever actually commit to it. 
Um, but it, it it was good enough, I guess. Um, you know, do you think it's a uh, you as 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 a big Jeff Loeb fan, which you know you you have you have said um, on frequent occasions. Do you think that this Hulk run uh, hurts his legacy? Do you think that it's maybe just a footnote that um, you know it's it's too far of uh, it's too far removed from you know the lobe that you prefer, which is you know the nostalgic lobe or or. or yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I, you know, do I think, oh my God, it's so bad that it tarnishes his entire bibliography? No. I mean, I, you know, I still, you know, I can still pick up For All Seasons or Spider-Man Blue and enjoy them. And, yeah. you know, with the Marvel color books in particular, I literally just did that a couple months ago and they were wonderful. Uh, so, I mean, I think this, the work of his that I enjoyed is still there and I would continue to enjoy it. But I do think, yeah, I mean, and I don't know if it was like his style changed or if maybe he just, you know, I don't know, wasn't as interested in telling those types of stories. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't really know, but definitely, and I really saw it in that Superman Batman run, you know, like I really saw it at that halfway point really kind of shifted. And I think that's kind of the lobe that we got when he went over to Marvel. And so, you know, it's the sort of thing I know he has a, you know, now he's been focusing on his television projects, yeah. but it's like, I don't know if he were to come back to comics would I, how excited would I be? I don't know. Probably not, not that excited. Cause I would be thinking, well, we're probably going to get this low, but I would love, I would love to see him write the kind of stuff that, that I really fell in love with, you know, in his writing. So I guess that's kind of where I land. Yeah. I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be so dramatic to be like, Oh my like, God, uh, you know, I don't like any of his stuff now. No, but I definitely see a shift and yeah, I don't care for the direction that, that he went. But then, like you were not like how, where do you kind of rank yourself as far as, uh, as, as a Loeb fan? Um, so I've loved, I, I've, I've loved Superman for all seasons. Loved it. Um, it, it, de- it, it was one of those comics that really elicited an emotional reaction from me where I just, I, I read it and, and, um, you know, I just had such strong feelings of nostalgia, and and it, it's, you know, it's essentially a Norman Rockwell in in in, in graphic novel form, <laughs> just like this amazing slice of Americana, and I view him as someone that is capable of just pulling the heartstrings and just making you feel, you know, making you feel happy, making you feel, you know, sad in a good way. Um, so, you know, to kind of see him adopt this. Uh, very action-based comic, you know, like kind of kind of write something that, that 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 focuses more on the action and less on just you know the emotion. You know, it was a little disappointing, um, but you know, I'll I'll still read his stuff. I also love the color stuff. I I I, I, I you keep going back to Super Spider-Man Blue, and that's definitely a comic that uh, uh also that I I truly enjoyed as well as you know Daredevil Yellow. Um, so he can do it, but you know. Like, just you know, make me, make me, make me feel emotional. Make me, uh, you know, make me feel happy. Make me feel sad. Don't have someone just knock out the watcher for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's ultimately where I, where I land. I mean, you know, while I really didn't enjoy this, I'm glad I read it. I am yeah. glad that I read it. You know, just for my own knowledge and context, like if if nothing else. And like I said, it really closes a gap in my reading of the Loeb bibliography. I mean, there's really very little now of his comic book work that I haven't read. And most of it I've reread or reread very recently. Um, 
I've covered as as we've addressed. Like I've covered a lot of Loeb now on my various podcasts. So I think it'll be it'll be a little while. It'll be a little while before we get to the long Halloween saga and that okay. stuff. But we'll you know we'll get there. But you yeah, got to do those though. Oh I mean, yeah, those are, those are yeah. And I'm excited. I, I my hope and expectation is that it'll be a little bit of a, a you know it'll it'll kind of renew my my enjoyment of his work generally right to go back to these stories that i i do remember fondly in that i i i hope and i believe will hold up well <laughs> so we'll see what should our th- so listen this has been fun and i'm gonna i'm gonna have you back for more in the future what oh, uh wh- you know i plan far out so i don't know and i've got a bunch of stuff already lined up so i don't know when it will be and we're yeah. still recording and normally we would do this off air but we'll do it on air whatever what uh what do you think you would want to talk about next time uh, has anyone kind of, has anyone, has anyone, uh, I, I'd like to do DC because, you know, it, it's kind of your wheelhouse and, uh, <laughs> I would love to engage with you in that, but I'm thinking Brew Baker's Catwoman. Oh, Brew Baker's Catwoman. That's on my long-term list. Yeah. All right, man. That's yours. Would that, yeah. Can I, can I call dibs on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that's a, that's a character defining yeah. Arc or, or series right there. And I, I, you know, I'd love to be a part of it. That's my favorite Catwoman and one of my all time favorite runs, man. I love, I mean, I love that stuff so, so much. It's so good, man. And I'm so jealous of you for having, uh, for having a, a Darwin cook sketch. Yeah. It's over my head here. So in flat squirrel studios, uh, like kind of like right under the ceiling, I've got this like little ledge and, uh, I've got my uh, sketches hung up there and uh. that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't even mention this. In the last episode, we did all that talk about the Kevin Smith Green Arrow run, and I didn't even mention that I have a Green Arrow sketch by Phil Hester, and that's up you there do? as well, yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, because I'm kind of a... I love Green Arrow, and uh, I, I, he's one of my favorite artists to kind of grace the title, the Phil Hester, uh, uh, the Phil Hester, Kevin... I mean, Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow was also something that was, that was huge, and I, that was a great episode also. Oh, thanks. Really to very cool to listen to but uh oh i'm so jealous of you i mean you have you have a maniple you have a you have a phil hester green arrow and you have a darwin cook hal jordan oh so jealous well listen uh your your art collection is is nothing to sneeze at you've and (laughs) you're you've gone much much uh, farther down that road (laughs) than i I have dude i listened to that one episode and then i was like i can do this (laughs) I blame you. <laughs> Fair enough. I know. We did that season two episode of My Comic Shop History where I had like three of the AR crew who are uh, yeah. like real big art collectors. And, uh, yeah. That was one of the most listened to episodes. Uh, and it was so much fun to do. Like I learned a lot because those guys, you know, uh, Phil is still into it. Uh, Tom and Drew have, have taken a step back. But, okay. you know, all three of them at various points have been like full on into it. So it was really interesting to you know, to, to hear from them and, you know, in terms of just how they deal with artists and the yeah. back and forth and, uh, you know, the amount of money that they're dropping, like it's, it was really fascinating. It really gives you a blueprint as to how to kind of get into the comic art, comic art collecting aspect. And that's still, I, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I still listen to that episode, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's forever downloaded on my phone. It's something, you know, that I will just pop on when I'm riding the train or, you know, going on a long drive. I'll listen to that episode. Well, I, no, I appreciate it. I'm glad that it stood the test of time. The, like, the how-to stuff is fun. I mean, and I I did... 
again, as far as other, you know, highly downloaded episodes of my comic shop history, I did that four parter with Ben from Zap Comics about how he goes about, you know, collecting back issues and, and all that stuff. And I know people were really into that. I mean, I don't know how many other how to's there. I don't know. Because I'd be open to doing more, but, uh, you know, like the art and the back issues are like big, you know, are yeah. big pieces. Like, I don't know what else, you know, and I've done stuff with, with uh, toys and, you know, toy collecting yes. and yeah. customization yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. What do you have? Statues. Stat- yeah, statues. I feel like statues have really kind of waned, though. I, I mean, I don't know that they're as Which big as they were. Because you're a big, you were a big statue guy at some point, at one point. And, yeah. you know, and, 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 and uh, your collecting career. Yeah. And I sold them to all yeah comics. So if anyone wants to check out statues, that used to be, uh, in, in my personal collection there at all yeah comics in beautiful downtown Harrison, New York. My, uh, uh, my brother is, is in, which you know, my brother's in Westchester now. Um, so, uh, I've like told him you need to go to all. Yeah. That is like, that is a very great comic store out in your neck of the woods. Has he gone? I think he has. I think he has. I don't know if he picked up too much, but uh, I think he has. I've actually like driven out there just to kind of scope out the shop based on your recommendation. You know, right on. No, that's good. <laughs> no, it's a very cool store. You know, you're I, bringing foot traffic, dude. So you should probably take. You should probably be getting a commission or something from every sale <laughs> that they get. Uh, you know what's really funny? Is, you know, I, going back to where we started with uh, you know Nick Jones. I think he ordered that Hulk omnibus. He's been ordering a lot of stuff from <laughs> Escape Pod Comics. Oh, on Long Island. On Long Island. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, there have been numerous instances. I mean, Nick is is an amazing example of that. And there have been a number of other uh, listeners of mine, and in particular viewers of My Comic Shop Country, who have reached out to specific stores in the documentary and have ordered stuff or have, like, I know there are a few instances I know of where people have reached out and been like, hey, like, charge my card and just send me whatever. Or, or like give, or give people gift cards with it. Like they just want to help the store. Oh, that's great. That's great. Especially now, but you're an influencer, my friend. I think this, you know, the, uh, I was happy to be able to showcase the stores, but I think, you know, people responded to, to the work that these people are doing. And it's nice to see that. But I I guess to kind of bring all of this full circle as we, as we head out here, like the comic shop, my comic shop book club, you know, the comic shop aspect of all of this. It's like I don't know. Do you like? Do you think this might have been a more fun run to read as it was coming out? If if you kind of had like other people at the comic shop who were reading on it, and you were kind of like like riffing on it together. I this definitely would have been a lot more fun reading <laughs> if it was coming out um, because you're not dealing with immediate disappointment. But <laughs> I think it's also kind of. Because I was looking it up, and there were a lot of really good books coming out in 2008 that probably would be more worthy of our time. Uh, the one that uh, kind of pops into mind immediately is uh, Matt Fraction's run on Invincible Iron Man. I just looked it up because I was like, oh, Iron Man's in this. I wonder, you know, what else was going on at that at that point. But, uh, yeah, I think that if we were reading this off the racks, it probably would have been a little bit more palatable. Yeah, and I think, like, just kind of having that back and forth at the store you know, probably would have, would have added something to it. But, uh, you know, I, I appreciate everyone who, you know, listened to or watched this episode. I, you know, I think we got a good amount of mileage out of this run, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, again, I don't know that there was so much substance there. So I, you know, I don't know that it lent itself to the type of conversation we might 
we might have otherwise had or, right. you know, conversations that I've had about, you know, works in other episodes. But this was certainly fun. And it was I mean, this was really cool to finally be able to do this with you. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I mean, as I've told you, I am, you know, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. So I have, I've, I, it's cool that I've kind of, <laughs> and I'm not taking, you know, credit for any of this, but I, I, I've kind of seen you from, you know, a bored law student looking to do <laughs> anything else, <laughs> anything else besides practice in the field of law to, you know, someone who's kind of become very well known and well regarded in the comic book community. You know, you've got a lot of great connections. You've made a lot of great connections with, you know, comic industry professionals, whether it be retail, the retail aspect or the creative aspect of it. Like you, you your, your, your net worth in, in, in this field is, has skyrocketed. Well, I appreciate that. And look, you know, you've been, you've been a day one supporter with all this stuff. I mean, it was during law school that I, I made that first documentary about alternate realities and you were there and you were at that first screening and you've been at subsequent screenings and, and, you know, I really, I appreciate all of the support and, uh, you know, again, like with, with you in particular, it's this weird crossover where, you know, yes, we met in law school, but we have, you know, between this and our shared love of how I met your mother and other television yeah. shows, it's like, you know, we have all of these shared interests. It's not just that we went to school together, right, uh, you know, right. but we have that as well. And, you know, there, there's really something to be said for that bonding experience of being in contracts class next to each other and being <laughs> like, oh, 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 we don't get called on today. <laughs> exactly. Sitting in white collar crimes and just trying to figure, <laughs> like keeping your head down because none of this has to do with art forgery. I still, you know, yeah, you and I took white collar crime in our second year. Yeah. And I remember when we had like the professor had us go around the room and explain why we were interested why in we taking the class. Yeah. And I remember saying, I was like, I like the show white collar <laughs> on USA. <laughs> I think our professor was like, I've heard that before. And I don't respect, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> but listen, it's why I took the class, but you and I took, we took that final as a makeup because we because we, yes. we had other finals at the same time and like you were you could you could kind of shift if you had two finals on the same day yeah and i i was thinking about this recently when the holidays uh, you know happened because you and i and this is now going back a decade but we were it was december 23rd <laughs> yeah. at night when we were taking that white collar crime final and i remember like we were done and we were like we have to be the last people in the country taking a law school exam this year <laughs> It, circumstances, uh, circumstances were uh, were very much against us in that situation. Because I, I will admit that I mean, I obviously, you know, it's a final, and you know, in law school, the final counts for a lot of grade. But it was just so hard to muster any kind of interest or any kind of like, desire to do well on that exam because you're you're facing down the barrel of Christmas break. So <laughs> yeah, that was tough. But uh, at least at least we, uh, we we went through that together. But. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, this was good. How did it feel now to be to be on an episode as opposed to just listening to it? Besides the coughing faux pas, I feel like <laughs> I was, was real worried about you. I really. Oh, uh, oh, I, thought I, I thought I was done. I thought I, I thought I mean like <laughs> the people on uh, the people that are watching this that will be watching this are going to watch me die. <laughs> no. I hope that uh, I have to review the tape. I hope that I registered an appropriate level of concern because otherwise <laughs> this will look real bad on my part. <laughs> if you're just laughing at me as a lung is slowly escaping my mouth. <laughs> uh, 
It's actually on the floor still, but you have two of them, so it's okay. This episode comes out the end of February, and okay. at the very beginning of March, I have an episode of uh, My Comic Shop History, The Longer Halloween, mm. uh, with Brian O'Day. So, What'd you say? I've been listening. Oh, right on. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, Mar- the March episode, St. Patrick's Day, is Brian O'Day, appropriately. Okay. And, right. uh, but it was so funny. I mean, you'll hear this when it comes out, and listeners will hear it, but he... Uh, you know, it's called the longer Halloween, longer spelled with an A-R, yeah. right? To reference alternate realities. This, right. I've been doing this since my first documentary film, this play on A-R, wherever you I can insert A-R. A lot of mileage out of a shop that has closed several years that's ago. The way, yeah, exactly, man. You know, you just got to keep writing that. But so that's why it's called the longer Halloween, but they're holiday themed, you know? Yeah. The episodes. And I think Brian's been listening or he's he's listened to some of them. But he thought that he was supposed to read the longer hollow, the long Halloween. <laughs> and I felt so bad because he didn't say anything until like the end. It's in the episode, but it's like at the very end of the episode. He's like, he's like, yeah, I read. He's like, I read long Halloween. I was like, I thought I was supposed to. <laughs> so, uh, it's, just, yeah. it's, just, it's, just, it's a retrospective from everyone on that, uh, on that season. Just about what did you think about the long Halloween? <laughs> I know. You know, I wonder the, the 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 numbers have been good. They've been they've been healthy for this cycle of episodes. But I wonder if anyone is either listening or not listening because they're like, oh, the long Halloween, like, you know, like, <laughs> how can you do so many episodes? <laughs> how how much can I what can one individual possibly care about Julian Day? <laughs> yeah. Or I wonder. I don't know. Like, I wonder if there's anyone like maybe there's one person out there who's been listening to every episode. And they're like, when are they finally going to get to the long Halloween? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, you need to do that on like a random holiday, on, 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 on like National Postage Day or yeah. National Siblings Day, <laughs> where you finally discuss mm-hmm. long. Well, I guess National Siblings Day would work for long Halloween as uh, you've got the, uh, I forget the name of the crime lord. but <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, we've, we've gone on a tangent, but that's all right. Oh, Hopefully boy. people enjoyed it. So, again, thank you very much. This was really a lot of fun. This is so much fun, man. I've looked forward to this all week. Yeah, no, same here. Same here. This was, again, you were the perfect person, honestly, to to have on for this this run. Because I was like, the whole time, I was like, all right, at least I know we'll we'll have fun. You know, (laughs) we'll have fun. And uh, because the idea of, I don't know, if I had to have like a really serious conversation about this run, I don't know. I don't know what I would say. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, 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 I don't think it would come off very positively if it was a serious conversation. No. So thank you, my friend. We will, we'll, we will have you back. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. It's an honor. To, honestly, it's an honor to be on your show because, you know, I've watched you kind of build this from the ground up uh, into, into something that is, you know, both highly regarded and has a very dedicated following. So, you know, I'm like, I'm so happy for you, dude. Because, you know, obviously this is a passion project that you've actually kind of managed to make into something that is uh, something that is more than you you ever expected it to be. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, So uh, so thank you, Jeff. Thank you to to all of our listeners and viewers. Uh, We'll be back with an all new episode in two weeks. Of course, we have a new episode of Digging for Kryptonite out in one week. So a lot of a lot of fun stuff to listen to and extra episodes at patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. We have companion shows. We got to get you on this Patreon. I'm going to call you out right here on the episode. There's so much extra stuff. You would love it. You would love it. 
oh, 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 okay, 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 because I'm made of money right now. I put them at the, they're all at the dollar level. I have, um, you know, in the last episode, right, we did the Kevin Smith stuff. And right, then right. in the Patreon episode, we have, uh, we talked about Batman Cacophony. <laughs> that was, oh. well, you know, my, my guest was Scott, Scott Honey, who, who did the main, oh. the main episode. And then we did that. And he's the one who liked Red Hulk. And he was, he was not, I mean, he was far more complimentary of Batman Cacophony than, <laughs> than I was and that I thought anyone would be, you know? So it's always interesting to get different perspectives. So, uh, but anyway, so we, but we got I'll a lot of, yeah, well, I mean, you already put me on blast, so I guess I have no choice. Yeah. I'm just busting your chops. You have been, you've gone above and beyond and, and, and all oh, of your support of the stuff. Man. And I appreciate it. Um, I always got your back. You know that. But yeah, so a lot of extra stuff on the Patreon page, digging for kryptonite next week, my comic shop book club in two weeks until then. Remember, they're all imaginary stories. Holla back, Nick Jones. My Comic Shop Book Club is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Kristen San Gregorio. Music by Basic Printer. If you like what you heard, be sure to check out my other podcasts, Digging for Kryptonite and My Comic Shop History. Sign up for exclusive content, including the official Book Club companion podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. And watch my documentary film, My Comic Shop Country, out now on Apple TV and Amazon. <laughs>